Hello, hello. I think it might be working now. Um, good morning, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Uh, I can see people are listening. Let's see. I will start off with our announcements. Um, so welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. Scanning the QR code located on the front of the worship guide right here uh, allows you to connect to all online services about our church, the giving of tithes and offerings, along with our social media platform, all in one place. If you are a guest, please click on the first-time guest option um, on that page. At the Village Church, we believe in the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship, and you may give to the uh, vision and mission of the church in a few different ways. You can give by mailing a check um, to the address, which is also located on the front. I won't read that off. And then after the service, you can also drop your offering off in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. You'll look around for it. You'll see it right as you head out. So uh, I'm going to go through the different events that are going to be happening this week. Right after worship, the Teague Village Group will be meeting in the church house at 11 a.m., and then this week, Thursday, um, on Thursday at 7 a.m. and at 5 p.m., the designated men's groups are going to be meeting. If you're in that, you already know that time, um, 7 a.m., 5 p.m. And then on Friday, the O'Neill men's group is going to be meeting at Bridge Street at 6.30. And then at 10 a.m. on Friday, the Village Kids Stay and Play. I'm not sure about the details on that, so if anyone wants to stand up and give more details, um, then feel free. Otherwise, just know that um, 10 a.m. on Friday is the Village Kids Stay and Play. And then also a couple other announcements. Just um, look at the back of the worship guide. Um, you'll see that the school supply and um, backpack uh, drive is going on right now, and there's a list of supplies that are needed. A lot of them you may already have in your house. A lot of them you may be going out to buy anyway for your own kids, so feel free to get a few extra and drop them off in the um, designated place outside in the lobby. And then also finally, we have a lot of tomatoes out there. Um, and we also, courtesy of Avery and her family, we have harvest baskets. Feel free to grab one per family. You can keep the basket. Just remember to bring it back each Sunday and get more vegetables. We're gonna be having a few more harvests throughout the year, at least that's what it looks like. So feel free to grab one of those and put whatever you want um, from the massive pile of tomatoes and then cucumbers and other things back there. Uh, these are your announcements. Please govern yourselves accordingly. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And one of the things, I'm pretty sure I said it in here, I also just find myself um, saying is, you know, Lord, help me look, help me look up, help me see, help me see you. Um, give me the right perspective so where I'm not so distracted by the stuff and the to-do list and, you know, just the things of this world that even in the midst of those things, I can see him, that he would soften my heart, soften my mind, 
give me more desire for him, um, desire to honor him, a desire to see myself as loved by him, and a desire to love my neighbor as myself. So if you would join us in singing this song, sing it as a prayer to the Lord.
call to worship is from Isaiah 42, verses 5, 6, 8, and 9. Please join with me where it says people. Thus says the Lord, I'm sorry, excuse me. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Amen. He is the Lord.
soul, the song says, I adore you only. There's no sweeter name than the name of Jesus. Amen.
are good and your mercy endures forever. Your name, Jesus, is indeed sweet. You are kind. You are generous. Your mercies endure every morning. You are Emmanuel. You are with us. You hold us with your righteous right hand. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. There is none like you. You are the Lord. There's none like you, none beside you. And God, we, we've come into this place to declare that today. To declare it to one another, to remind each other, Jesus, of your love for us and how you are the light and the hope and our joy and our peace and our security and our satisfaction and our inheritance is all connected to you. You are the center of it all. Even in those moments when things feel scrambly and we're trying to figure it out, you are still with us and we can look up. We can fix our eyes on you because you are the author and perfecter of our faith. And you are the one who has begun a good work in us and you are faithful. And because you are faithful, you will be faithful to complete it. So God, we praise your name today. We say thank you, Jesus. Praise your holy name. We love you. We praise you. We glorify you. The name that is above every name. Amen. You may be seated.
Amen. Praise God for what he's done. And if I was in the black church, I would go in after that. I ain't even going to lie. It would be a pandemonium in here right now. Praise God for what he's done. Because if we really thought about what the Lord Jesus did for us at Calvary, how horrible we were and how deserving of God's wrath we were, we wouldn't be able to contain our joy. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. Anyway. Happy to be with you all this morning. I'm Amos. Some of y'all know that. But uh, when I'm here on occasion, I look out and it's like, man, this is a completely different gathering uh, from what I remember. So uh, for those of you who wonder what I'm talking about, uh, I was on staff here at the Village Church for about eight years as the small group and outreach coordinator. And uh, for a couple of those years, I was also assistant pastor here. And this church has sent me out. Um, they sent me out last uh, last summer to plant the church over in Madison. And so now we're doing the work of planting the Hope City Church in Madison. So I thank you all for your prayers, for your support, and all that good stuff. A couple things uh, before we get started. Y'all hear my voice. What I want you to do, <clears throat> if you care, I want you to go back in the catalog of sermons from the Village Church. And if I'm preaching around anywhere between June and August, maybe mid-September, go back and you'll hear my voice does this every year because I got this little sinus thing that's going on. And so y'all bear with me. And I can promise you, if you're a visitor and you've never seen my face before, I promise you I don't sound like this all the time. Okay. If you got your Bible, go ahead and open it up to 1 John. Chapter 4. Excuse me, 1 John chapter 2. And uh, we're going to look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. And we're also going to look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. So again, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Then once we conclude the reading of that passage, we'll flip over to 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. And this is the word of the Lord, so please listen carefully. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let's go ahead and flip over to chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, 
that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's go to before our Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I pray that now you would hide me behind the cross of Christ. And through your spirit, make your name great. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, speak, Lord. Amen. I want to tag this text this morning in the words of that Nigerian prophetess, Shade, no ordinary love, no ordinary love. Love is ambiguous. Love is as confusing as it is heartwarming. Love in the right direction can bestow upon its recipient fountains overflowing with joy. But love in the wrong direction can leave us desolate of hope. We can love to love, but we can also love to hate. We can love God, our wives, our spouses, our children, but we can also love our pets. Interestingly enough, we can also love Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. Do you love Chick-fil-A? I love to read. I love to wear all black. If you know me outside of this suit, you know that that's true. Some of us love sports. Those of us in the community of faith, we love the gospel, but there are people who love to gossip. Love is fickle. Love is hard. My married people know that and also parents know that as well. People will kill for love, but people have also laid down their lives for love. Passionate poems have been written about this thing called love. Most of us even have our favorite love songs. Jackie DeShannon sang a song that said, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. And Brother Alex preached a sermon a couple weeks ago, and he asked the question, from another prophetess of pop culture, Tina Turner asked, what's love got to do with it, right? Now, that's a secular view of love, but the gospel singer Anthony Evans says this about love. Love is willing to get hurt. Love gives needing nothing in return. Now, most of us want 
to feel loved, but there are people who reject love. And my brothers and sisters, there are love doctors. Seriously, people have done PhDs on the psychology of love. Love, we know, is just as much an action as it is an an emotion. Now, my brothers and sisters, if you haven't gotten it by now, today we're going to be talking about love. Now, our two passages that I read today, they present us with two exhortations and two promises concerning the placement of our affections. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we unpack these verses, I want us all to do some deep introspection. I want you to ask yourself where your affections lie. What does God's transcript of your passions say about your affections because my brothers and my sisters the world and the things the world has to offer battle for our affections but as God's beloved children we are called to love God and we are called to love people with the radical and self-sacrificial love that the triune God gives us I'll say that again as God's beloved children we are called to love God, and we are called to love people with the radical self-sacrificial love that the triune God gives us. Let's take a look at 1 John chapter 2, and I'm in verse number 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, my brothers and sisters... I want to be the first to admit that I don't live these verses perfectly. As a matter of fact, (coughs) excuse me, here's a somewhat humorous example of how these verses always convict me. I put on a few pounds during the pandemic, and I would love to lose all of the weight that I put on during the pandemic, but I love Chick-fil-A. Now, the reality is, is that I can't indulge myself in both. In order to indulge myself with one, I have to give up the other. And our passage begins with John's exhortation not to love the world, neither the things in the world. And what John means by the world and the things of the world are the systems of the world that find their origin in sin. So, my brothers and my sisters, if your affections are for the sinful things of the world, then your affections cannot be for the Father. The love of the Father in verse 15 can also be understood as love for the Father. So remember Jesus' words in Matthew Chapter 6, verse 26, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So the things of the world and the love of the Father are diametrically opposed because they have different origins. I'm in verse number 16. For all that is in the world, 
the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So in John's estimation, the world only has three things to offer. And they ultimately arise from sin. The cravings of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life or the pride of possession. Let's consider each of these three briefly. The cravings of the flesh refers to the general disposition of man to be tempted by sinful desires. It refers to man's lack of discipline to resist sin and man's weakness to resist in indulging in things that are contrary to God's will. The lust of the eye refers to the gateway for temptation and sin. We see this, of course, in David's lust for Bathsheba. David saw Bathsheba first with a lustful eye, which led him to commit some of the most heinous sin in all of the Bible. Now, the pride of life refers to man's tendency to find security and importance in material things rather than God. It can also be understood as the pride of possessions. In James chapter 4, y'all know I love James. In James 4:16, the ESV simply calls it arrogance. It is a self-centered belief in what you have or what you've accomplished for affirmation and significance. Again, my brothers and my sisters, if your affections are consumed by these things, the cravings of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the pride of life, then the love of the Father is not in you. Because these things are outside of the nature, the loving nature of God. These things find their origin in the world. And although these things may bring temporary feelings of euphoria, those feelings only last for a moment. Those of us who have dealt with addiction of any kind, we know that well. The high only lasts for a moment. So, in verse 17, John warns us that the world, along with what it has to offer, is passing away. I'm in verse number 17. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. My brothers and sisters, I want to take you to seminary with me for a second because the original language is helpful here. The phrase is passing away in verse 17 There's only one word in the original Greek text. It is a present middle indicative. Present middle indicative. Don't be afraid. I'm going to explain that. Present means that it's a continuous action. Middle means that the subject is acting on behalf of themselves. And indicative means a statement of fact. So the ESV translates this word as concisely as possible with the phrase, is passing away. It's a great translation. But John can also be understood to be saying that the world's sinful actions are causing it to pass away. It's causing it to curve in on itself. In other words, the world is not arbitrarily passing away. It's self-destructive. Because God has given the world exactly what it wants. 
the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 28, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And so since destruction is imminent for this world, my brothers and my sisters, let us not find ourselves, our families, our churches caught up in the destructive systems of this world because there's a promised end for those who love the world. Destruction. And the world has ensured its own destruction, my brothers and sisters. This world is terminally ill. The first half of verse 17 has a promise for the world. Destruction. Death. But the second half has a promise for those who have the love of the Father or love for the Father. Those who have love for the Father will not indulge the cravings of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Rather, they are the ones who do the will of of the Father. And there's a clear contrast between what God the Father has to offer and what the world has to offer. What the world has to offer is temporary, it's fleeting, but what God offers is eternal, it's everlasting. So, in contrast to the world which is passing away, the one who does the will of the Father abides forever. And the word translated abide is also present tense. And is, it's juxtaposed to the verb translated is passing away. Now, my brothers and sisters, please catch this. It's not a future tense verb. It does not say that the one who does the will of God will abide forever. It's present tense, abide. Because the abiding has already begun and it continues throughout eternity because eternal life has already been secured for those who do the will of God. The promise of eternal life is not simply a future promise awaiting fulfillment. It is something that the beloved children of God already possess because the Lord Jesus secured it for us at Calvary. But this promise to abide forever is only for those who do the will of God. Which raises the question, what's the will of God? What is God's will for his beloved children? And so to get a glimpse of what the will of God is for us, his beloved children, let's take a look at our second passage. Flip over to John, 1 John chapter 4. And I'm in verse number 7. And I'll read Seven and eight. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So John addresses his readers as beloved. They are a beloved community. They they are Of course, John's beloved community, but they are also the beloved of the Heavenly Father. So John exhorts them to love one another because love is from God. John's exhortation to love one another 
it's not an imperative. Uh, it's, it's not an imperative like his exhortation to refrain from loving the world from our previous passage. But it doesn't carry less weight because of the foundation of John's exhortation. See, the, the beloved community should love one another because love is from God. And those who show love prove by their love that they are the children of God. And they prove that they know God intimately. They know him in an intimate way. But those who do not show love prove that they don't know God because God's essence, his very nature is love. This means that everything that God does down to a fundamental and essential level is characterized by love. God's existence is a loving existence. All of God's work and activity in creation are done in love. God's justice is carried out in love. God can't do anything unloving because it's contrary to his essential nature. But this raises another question. If God is love, how does he display his love? How do we know that God's essence is love in any real, any tangible, objective, or discernible way? I'm in verse, verses 9 and 10. In this is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Excuse me. My brothers and my sisters, did you know? That God loves you. I see some heads nodding. But did you know that he really loves you? You are the object of his love. You are a member of this beloved community to whom John is writing. My brothers and sisters, I, I, I need for this to click for you. The triune creator of the cosmos who created everything that we see cares about you particularly and he knows you specifically he loves you so much that as his beloved child he allows you to experience the perfect love that he shared among himself in his co-eternal existence as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 8 tells us that, but God shows his love for us, and while we were yet still sinners, Christ, he died for us. And if God is love, and he is, then the ultimate revelation of his love is found in the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's essential nature of love is manifested. It is made plain in his initiative to send his only begotten son so that we could have eternal life through Christ. Now, my brothers and sisters, please excuse my archaic King James Version language for a moment. But I love the translation only begotten. 
most of my scripture memory is still in the King James Version. But I love the translation only begotten because it keeps us in step with church history. It keeps us in step with the historic creeds and confessions of the church, but also the subtle ambiguity of the phrase communicates a a, a unique relationship that God the Son has eternally shared with God the Father that no one else has. Now, think about this. Sometimes I can't imagine laying down my own life, let alone my son's life. But what does John 3.16 tell us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So my brothers and sisters, that's an amazing truth, but, but don't get it twisted. Always remember that the Lord Jesus died not for friends. He died for his enemies. I like the way that the Christian rapper Andy Mineo put this. He said, for the sin that I committed should have paid that price. But I didn't because the father went and gave the Christ. What love is this to send his own to die for sin and take us home? Got me feeling good. Forget my feelings. When you heard a story about the hero dying for the villain. My brothers and sisters, the gospel is the true story about the hero dying for the villain. Guess what? We're the villains. But instead of destroying us like villains and giving us what we deserve, instead of allowing us to pass away with the things of the world, Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now, we are no longer enemies. We are sons and daughters. And if sons and daughters, we are heirs through God. My brothers and sisters, what kind of love is this? To do this for your enemies? My brothers and sisters, in the words of that prophetess Sade, this is no ordinary love. This love should overwhelm us and bring us to our knees because the sovereign creator of the universe loves us this much. My brothers and sisters, you got to get this. You're loved. You are loved. Dearly beloved. And so, in our last two verses, we find the emphasis, again, of the will of God. I'll read verse 11 first. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I've given this illustration before, but... It's it's relevant. I like to wear hats. I like to wear baseball caps. And I've always liked to wear the... I started wearing them before I started going bald. So 
not to cover up my bald head at all. I just like to wear them. Every now and again, every now and then, one of my sons will get a hold of one of my hats, and then they'll kind of strut around like it gives them significance. And so one day, we were all in the car together, me and my wife and my, and my, and my boys, and I asked uh, our sons why they like to wear my hats. And to this day, I, I replay this over and over in my head, but I still, to this day, can't remember which one of my sons said it. Maybe it was Caleb, and he was speaking up like Peter for the crowd. Um, I can't remember which one of them said it, but they said, I like to wear hats because my daddy wears hats. It's here in the text, my brothers and sisters. John is saying to us, Beloved, if God has shown us radical love by sending his only begotten son, then we should want to show radical love to one another because our father does it. Can I, can I say it how I feel it? We should want to support one another because our daddy does it. We should serve the poor because our daddy does it. We should love our neighbors because our daddy does it. We should love our enemies because our daddy loved his enemies, us, and made us his friends. We should love the bride, the church, because I think you get the point, our daddy does. So the will of our father is that we would love with the same radical love that he gives us. But brothers and sisters, there is a promise connected to our love for one another in our final verse, verse number 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So John acknowledges that we cannot see God. No one has examined him the way that you would examine a piece of fruit before you purchase it at the grocery store is what the original language is getting at. But the love of God accomplishes its ultimate goal. We see God in a tangible way when beloved brothers and sisters love one another. God's ultimate goal and the fullness of his love is realized as we love one another. And so as I close the sermon, I want you to see something in these verses. I want you to follow the progression of the passage. In verses 7 and 8, God is love. His very essence and nature is love. In verses 9 and 10, the essence of God's love is manifested in his sending of the Son. In verses 11 and 12, God's manifested love abides among us and his love is perfected in us. My brothers and sisters, do you see the triune God at work in our passage? The Father's love is revealed by sending the Son. The Son loves us by giving his life for us. And the Spirit loves us by abiding with us to bring about the perfection of God's love. My brothers and sisters, this ain't no ordinary love. It was love that kept the Lord Jesus on cross for us that took him to the cross 
it was love that made him lay down his life for us in the first place. It was love that raised him from death. It is love through which now he sits at the right hand of majesty and intercedes for us. And it will be love that brings about his return. And I hope y'all are looking forward to uh, the wedding feast of the Lamb because there's going to be a whole lot of love there too. And I hope to see y'all there. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you that through your son Jesus, we see the reality of your love. So, God, I pray that <clears throat> excuse me, if there's anyone here today who has not felt the reality, who does not know the reality of your love, pray that even now your spirit would start to work in their heart, draw them to you, grant them faith and repentance. Lord, help us to remember as your beloved children, that we are loved. It is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that I do pray and give thanks. Amen. Brothers and sisters, what an expression of God's love that we get to celebrate right now in this supper. Now, in our denomination and in most of Protestantism, we believe that uh, these elements are what we call a means of grace, that the Lord supernaturally infuses in a spiritual way these elements. They, they're not magical. It's, uh, they don't transform into real flesh and real blood. I can assure you we're not cannibals. Uh, it's just juice and um, it's just uh, bread, uh, but the Lord uses them to give us spiritual nourishment. It is, a, it is a means by which we are strengthened as the people of God. And I really want y'all to believe that and know that that's true, that um, something mystical, something supernatural happens when we feast on Christ by faith. Uh, this is not an ordinary expression of love. This is an extraordinary expression of God's love for us. And so listen to these words from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
and proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, my brothers and sisters, if you are a, a member of this church, and if you are a member of any other gospel, preaching gospel, believing church, this is your table. The Lord Jesus invites you to join us as we celebrate um, the Lord's table. Um, but if you are not yet a believer in the Lord Jesus, we ask that you allow the elements to just pass you by as we pray that the Spirit will work in your heart. And I like that Alex always does this, and he speaks directly to the children. And so I want to do the same. So TBC children, perk up and, and just give me your ear for like 10 seconds. We long to see the day that we can celebrate this supper with you. And so we pray that um, the Lord Jesus will, uh, some of you were baptized as, as babies, that uh, we will be able to see the fulfillment of his promise to you as covenant children. Uh, and we long to celebrate this meal with you. And so uh, I think we got our, our officers who are going to be helping us today. And so if y'all will come forward.
my joy to honor you. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy Please stand for our closing song, Song of Celebration.
I would like to just remind and invite you all to um, Southwood. I sent an announcement out about this earlier in the week. Southwood is hosting a praise and worship night. I think it's called Songs and Sweets. And the Village Church, the Village Church has been invited to participate in that. So I hope to see you tonight. I'll be there um, singing and helping to sing. And so will Amos couple other churches in the community it'll be a good time so it'll the service is informal but the service will be from six to about seven and then there's a dessert um, fellowship afterwards so I hope you guys will join us for that thank you for making that announcement Miss Patience and y'all pray for me because y'all hear how I sound it may not be a good look but we gonna go on we're gonna go on we're gonna press on my brothers and sisters, receive now the Lord's benediction as we go out into the world as his ambassadors, as, as Christ's ambassadors. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Please greet one another. <laughs>